Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 98 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. On today's show, veteran, mental health professional, and fitness professional Stephanie Lincoln joins me to talk about how physical wellness and mental wellness are connected. I'm all about the toolbox. Like I, I, I use that analogy over and over and over again. When you're carrying around a toolbox and that toolbox helps you get through stressful situations in your life and you have two things in there and both of those don't work, then what? You know, that's when you reach the point of helplessness. I'd rather you carry around a, a toolbox with 30 tools in it and then be able to kind of go through each one. And geez, I mean, one of those is going to work, right? You may have to go through a few, but one of them is going to work for you. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode on VeteranMentalHealth.com. If you're a longtime listener, share the show with someone you think may enjoy it. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice, which can be found at VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash platforms. Welcome to the Headspace and Timing Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes around veteran mental health. My name is Dwayne France, and I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer and a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After retiring from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, then you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set correctly, however, it was just a useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support service members, veterans, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing Podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn about veteran mental health, mental health in general, uh, and interestingly enough today about physical health and how everything integrates. Um, my guest on today's show is uh, Captain, former Captain Stephanie Lincoln, uh, and she's going to talk about her journey, um, not just as a mental health professional, but also as a fitness instructor and as a service member herself and, uh, and how all of that ties together. So, uh, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dwayne. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, uh, absolutely. I appreciate uh, we've been having some conversations while you and I actually met in person um, at uh, at the Military Influencers Conference back in uh, uh, in Orlando last year. Uh, and uh, and I was fascinated by your story, and I wanted to be able to bring you on the show to talk about um, your own personal story, and then definitely how things have progressed. So, um, before we get into what you're doing now, I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, my name is uh, Stephanie Lincoln, and I'm a former um, captain in the uh, Army National Guard. Spent 10 years in the military, half enlisted, half an officer. Um, so I was a, what's commonly known as a Mustang. <laughs> so uh, I went to OCS. And um, I feel like I never left. I, I got out in 2007 um, and uh, I resigned my commission because my father was um, uh, he was diagnosed with brain cancer and I was helping care for him. And I figured the military would always be there if I ever wanted to go back in um, and it was meant to be. I'd, I'd go back in. But I, I feel like I never left because um, pretty much a year and a half after I got out, I got offered uh, to come kind of back in and be embedded with the Florida Army National Guard at the time to um, basically get up and running their mental health program. And, and at the time, they'd never had any kind of mental health services. That was always kind of pushed towards the chaplains, and that's what they were handling. Um, but, of course, as, as some of us know um, who are um, in the military and former military members, um, 2006 and seven were, um, probably the worst years ever in the military as far as the suicide rates. And, um, they were basically in an all out panic with, with these horrendous numbers. So they threw, of course, like the military always does, they just threw a lot of money at it and hoped something worked, right? They just created a lot of stuff really quickly. Um, so I basically was handed the task of um, taking over the mental health um, services for the entire Florida Army National Guard. So one clinician, 14,000 plus soldiers and airmen. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good caseload, right? <laughs> that's very realistic. Um, so I, I did that um, and actually moved up the ranks pretty quickly within that contract and um, ended up um, getting poached by the Air Force mental health contract. They brought me over because their program was basically a, um, had been in shambles and um, got that program kind of up and running. There was 200 and I remember 86. We had 286 providers embedded in Air National Guard units all over the nation um, and territories. Got that contract up and running. And, um, you know, of course, just like the government loves to do, they said, thank you very much and laid me off in 2015. <laughs> so um, I did some case management work um, for behavioral health that really was just more because I was an expert in the field and people knew that and and they were really having trouble managing the mental health um, services within the military. And I just kind of kept getting contracted in to do kind of these things. Over the years, I had a couple of, of aha moments, and one of them was they, you know, the military still to this day does not know how to handle mental health, um, and there's a, there's a lot of kind of reasons that culminate into, into that fact. And then the second one is um, nobody was really noticing or thinking about what the the medical and, and physical side of things were doing to the mental health and the mental health to the physical side of things and vice versa. Nobody was making that connection. And I'd sit there at these medical events for days and days and days and sit in front of soldiers. And I just was so taken aback by, you know, I was the behavioral health provider. So I would be looking at their medical records 
these guys were, you know, 20 years old and, you know, on this litany of mental health, um, you know, medications and, and treatments and had this history and they were so young. And but also what really kind of jarred me was the physical health issues that were going on as well. You know, the fact that they were 65 pounds overweight, um, they had back and knee issues, surgeries, um, you know, lots of different complaints around cholesterol medication and blood pressure medication and, and you know, pre-diabetic. All of these things were, were kind of present in almost every single person I sat down with. It was never just mental health, almost never just mental health. There was always some sort of physical medical issues going on in conjunction with that um, and then add on the substance abuse. So it was, I, I seem to be the only one making that connection going, Hmm, why are, why, why is there not a dietitian or nutritionist sitting here talking with these soldiers too? Why are we not talking about this issue? And, um, over the time, um, I, being a, a fitness professional, I decided I, you know, would love to kind of put together a program that encompassed both. See, and that's, uh, it's, it's really amazing as, as you just described sort of that transition. So you had joined the military before 9-11. So you, like me, had that, uh, that bridge, um, between 9-11 and post 9-11. Uh, and then you became an officer, uh, but you weren't a behavioral health officer when you were in the National Guard. Correct. I was not. Um, I um, enlisted in finance, not because I wanted to be in finance. It was just because it was the job that the military gave me. And, um, and then again, after I got out of OCS, it literally was just like the job that the military gave me. And they're like, okay, we have some signal officer slots. You're going to take one of those. I'm like, all right, I don't even know what that is, but okay, I'm going to do that. And then uh, actually, fortunately, I um, being a natural teacher and, um, you know, being just all about, you know, um, uh, supervising and, and encouraging leadership, I got actually invited to the OCS schoolhouse to become a TAC officer instructor. So um, I spent the last three years of my time at that unit and I got to do a lot of fun yelling and screaming and telling people to do push-ups and, and kind of mentoring and um, these future leaders in the military. So that was a lot of fun. So then how did you go from that, you know, as, as a, a company grade officer, you know, obviously an instructor um, to being a licensed mental health professional? What, what was it um, when you left the military that caused you to want to get into mental health first and then later on physical health? I, I think personally for me, it was, uh, and I think for many of us who end up in the mental health world, is because of a, a strong family history and early exposure to mental health issues. And it was, it was a way for me to figure out why my childhood was so chaotic and, you know, my own issues as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think that happens a lot. I remember in graduate school, there was a lot of people in the, in that, um, in that seat, you know, where they were just, you know, had such, um, exposure to mental health issues as, as a child, family members, um, you know, my mother's mentally ill, um, pretty much everybody in my extended family is mentally ill. We have lots of suicide, lots of substance abuse, um, lots of domestic violence, um, sexual abuse. So um, it just kind of helped me maybe make sense. And I wanted to um, probably subconsciously kind of fix that and help other people not have to experience what I went through as a child and just absolutely having no idea why 
that things were the way they were. No, you're you're absolutely right, um, and that mirrors my uh, journey almost exactly. My father, three of my uncles were Vietnam veterans, um, and as I, you know, got into the later part of my career, and I was leading these soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, that uh, I knew that I couldn't be my father's therapist, but perhaps I could, uh, in some way, um, help the veterans of today to stop or to keep from becoming who my father was later on in life. Right. So this oh, yeah. idea of, of how do we, you know, how do we break the cycle? And so it's, but your focus, when you went into to the uh, mental health field, you weren't specifically thinking about working with veterans again or service members. No, I wasn't. I, I really actually, the, the thought never occurred to me, <laughs> which is so funny because I was in the military, you know, getting my degree. So, um, yeah, I, I um, actually um, ended up kind of straight out of um, getting my graduate degree, worked with teenagers mainly. And actually, I worked in the prison system, so the juvenile justice system. And I was specialized in sex offender therapy and assessments um, and also assessments of high risk, um, uh, you know, uh, juvenile um, criminals. So basically, like, you know, attempted murders, murders, arson, like very serious things. Um, I was doing assessments on and uh, working within this this prison um, with uh, convicted juvenile sex offenders. So that was my career path for a while. And um, it was great work. I would say I'd go back to it in a heartbeat. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot um, working in a prison. If you ever want to like learn a lot immediately, go work in a prison. <laughs> Especially as a therapist, you learn that boundaries um, uh, lesson real quick. So uh, yeah. So, uh, I actually, again, ended up gotten everything I ended up doing in my career thus far has just been completely happenstance. It really has. So I'm, I'm just kind of drifting with the universe and got laid off from that job. And, um, and that's when I got a call from my former battalion commander and my company commander. This was after I had gotten out of the military and, um, they said, Hey, we have this brand new position to take over the mental health to set up this program. And we know you're a licensed clinician. You were in the guard. We want somebody who wore the uniform and who understands the guard, you know, because it's very different. And we don't want some bleeding heart therapist coming in here who has no idea what the military is and just has like the learning curve is going to be so steep. And we have a problem like it needs to be fixed right now. So we don't have time to teach, you know, a, a brand new clinician coming in here, the nuances of military life. Um, when we have an emergency going on with our suicide rates and literally the fourth day on the job in that position, I had my first suicide. Mm -hmm. So it was hitting the ground running and really like I was literally standing in the kitchen with this grieving family four days in. Wow. I mean, and, and it, it, I don't like to say that it fascinates me, but understanding the difference between um, supporting mental health in the active duty component versus supporting mental health in the, um, in the reserve or the guard component. Um, the fact is you, you said you had 14,000 people on your caseload, right? You know, and, and those of us who are clinicians, we know that that's, you know, ungodly number. And it was just you. Whereas if you were in active duty, you would have had, it, it, at least at that point, and this was early on in 2009, as you said, um, but you would have had a behavioral health team. You would have had more support. Uh, but here it was just you. Um, one of the things that I often think of when it comes to working with National Guard specifically is um, 
Guard members and reservists are so isolated, and we know that that is a risk factor for suicide. But you get off a demob, or you may only see your your um, you know people once a month in, in a- annual training twice a year. Um, but sort of the isolation of the National Guard is built into the structure. And when you put the stress of, like you said, 2006, 2007 on top of that, that's when you get the problems that started to emerge in 2009, 2010. Absolutely. Yeah. And you hit the nail right on the head. And I, I think a big part of what I did as well for a couple of years there, just going out into the communities and connecting with these you know, community behavioral health providers is doing that kind of education and making them understand because because civilians all have this kind of thought about, oh, well, you know, they take care of their own. They have the, the military. They've got TRICARE. They've got, you know, hospitals on base. And they don't realize the reserve component is a huge part of our force. And they're deploying just as much, if not more, than our active duty components. So, you know, that's the difference. And the way I would describe it was, um, you know, Hey, just, just imagine if you're, if you go in and you get your, you know, get your groceries, right? Somebody's bagging your groceries. That guy right there, maybe a week ago was sitting in the middle of Afghanistan, you know, doing, going on this, this patrol where he thought maybe he, he might lose his life. And now he's back to bagging groceries. Let me tell you what kind of adjustment that is. That's different than active duty. They come back. They go to the base. They're on the same base. They were, they were, they're around other soldiers that they deployed with. They have that connection. They have those resources. But you, if you're going back from, you know, sitting on top of a, a tank and, and doing convoys to bagging groceries the next week um, and just expect everything to be just transition beautifully, you got something else coming. You know, that's a, that's a great point. I always talk about, you know, veterans hiding in plain sight, but even this is service members hiding in plain sight. You know, you don't know, um, if you go to the store later today, if the, the person behind the checkout counter may have been a Gulf War veteran, right. Or, or may have served in the eighties in the Marines. Right. And so there's this idea of, you know, there are veterans, you know, some more, some less in some communities. Um, but even then, especially in the, in the guard and reserve components, uh, and, and the other thing that you said is exactly right. The same thing happens in, in active duty. Um, my first time in Afghanistan, literally we came off a patrol and, you know, two hours later we were on a C-130. Two days later I was back in base. But the person that I went on that last patrol with was sitting next to me because I was active duty, right? You know, my buddy Brian was there and I, I had that support. Um, but even the National Guard um, service members, they don't have that support. It's it's gone and and it's hard for all service members and veterans, I think to have the awareness that we need to address these concerns, but it's even more difficult when you're trying to develop that awareness in, um, in guardsmen or reservists. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and even more so, you know, now how many years later we're talking about, um, after multiple, multiple deployments and, you know, it's just, our, our force is, is definitely, at its, um, I guess, spread, <laughs> it's very spread very thin as far as, um, you know, its ability to kind of continue with this never ending war, right? Um, you know, in, in past conflicts, they've had some time to recover and, and, and reset, right? And we have our force hasn't had um, a moment to do that. Now, I know the tempo is a lot slower now, but 
that doesn't mean that, you know, they're not still deploying and they're not still, you know, kind of on, on edge and on guard and how many more deployments am I going to have? So, you know, coming home, especially, um, and not having those resources on the, on the guard side of things. And I would argue even on the active duty side of things, um, you know, there, there's a lot of interventions that the military could be engaging in and using in its toolbox that it's missing out on because as we know, the military tends to kind of be slow on the uptake when it comes to innovations and, and, you know, medical treatments and, and <laughs> mental health treatments. Um, you know, it, I, I, I hope that they were going to learn from the past and, um, you know, especially the Vietnam era veterans, how we kind of really, um, really failed our, our war fighters in, in, and with that, with that air of warfighters, but, um, you know, that's part of why I put together Fireteam Whiskey was to kind of bring in every aspect that I could find with the latest research and, um, what is going to address as many issues as possible to get this warfighter or veteran healthy. And also, you know, translating that to our first responders, because again, who better, you know, who has more exposure, you know, just like our, our veterans um, on a daily basis almost to these stressful situations, these fight or flight responses, this constant re-exposure to trauma, and we just, just expect them to do their job. Oh, well, they have insurance, they have pensions, you know, it's just like, okay, they're going to be taken care of. Why are we not doing, throwing the most innovative research um, whether it be medical, nutritional, fitness, um, wellness at our you know, community, um, the people who serve their communities and country. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I've often said it before and, and uh, actually have another show coming up where we are going to be talking about the overlap between first responder mental health and veteran mental health. Uh, but we are having a national conversation around veteran mental health. We're not having that national conversation around first responder mental health. It's starting to emerge, I think. Um, but, but each force, each department, you know, each, each unit itself is sort of a self-contained, maybe the county sheriff's office or, you know, or, or anything like that. Um, but so many veterans then make that transition. I, I think, um, you know, I've got six or seven of my, my former platoon members are now cops or firefighters. Or EMTs, right? Medics will, will go from, mm-hmm. uh, being a, a medic in Afghanistan to then switching over to be an, e, uh, an EMT, um, and, and not only being exposed to current trauma, but also re-experiencing past trauma and things like that. And so, um, there is a huge crossover between the military community and the law enforcement community or, or the first responder community. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, in, in creating Fire Team Whiskey, we di- we certainly didn't want to leave them out, and especially with the reserve component. You know, a lot of these these reserve component service members, that's what they do. They're you know nine to five on Monday through Friday or whatever. They're doing shift work. You know, at the local hospital, or you know, they're a policeman, or they're um, in corrections. So uh, they're firefighters. So the, and then they're serving their their countries on the weekend and whenever they get deployed. So. Um, you know, and there's, again, there's a lot of overlap with these, these kinds of medical issues, their nutritional issues, the obesity levels and, um, 
you know, there's a lot of staggering statistics when it comes to police members and um, firemen, when it comes to um, uh, cardiac related illnesses and mental health illnesses, they're much, they have much higher risk. So the fact that you have this one specific job makes you much more increased um, in, in certain areas. I've seen up to 40% for firefighters to have a cardiac event. Right. And, and this goes into, as you said, the, the, the link between the physical uh, and, and the emotional psychological portion of all of this, right? If, if I, as a mental health professional, um, am only focusing on the mental health of the, the individuals I'm working with, um, then I'm missing a whole lot. You know, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, we were fueled on caffeine and edgy irritation, right? You know, that was sort of mm-hmm. how we, how we operated, uh, business, um, sleep deprivation significantly, uh, deliberately in many ways. Um, and almost as a, a point of pride, right? You know, and so, um, discounting the, the, you know, meals ready to eat or the, you know, just, you know, binging on calories in the defect because you haven't had, you know, a, a decent meal in three days. Um, you know, the nutrition and, you know, and, and here I'm thinking about the things that we eat, the things that we drink, and the things that are made available to us in the military. That's one thing on top of the fact that we're wearing, you know, 70, 80 pounds of gear and, and you know, pounding our knees and legs and all that other stuff. All of this physical health plays a role in how good we feel, which also plays a role in how good we mentally feel. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the, the simple prevention, um, is really what's very frustrating to me. Um, you know, there's lots of research out there that's open to anybody who's looking for it to show the links of just minor, um, dietary nutritional deficiencies and mental health diagnoses. And a lot of these can be, these symptoms can be mitigated, if not completely um, eradicated with just a specific essential fatty acid or micronutrient that you just happen to be missing in your diets. So when we're looking at, you know, especially if you're out in the field, if you're out in the middle of nowhere on a, on a fob that doesn't have much of a, you know, a defect, um, and they're handing you MREs for most of the time you're out there, um, and you're not getting those fresh vegetables and, and fruits, right, which contain a lot of those micronutrients that our body needs to function appropriately, you're setting up the body to start kind of this cascade effect. So not only are you under, a, you know, stress on a daily basis anyway, because you're deployed out on a fob and, and who knows what, what happened yesterday or what's going to happen today, then you're, you're not providing the appropriate nutrition and you're stressing the body out. And then you're, you're starting this cascade of, of nutrient depletions and your body's going into this emergency mode and it's just constantly living there. And we, we wonder why, even with um, the, and here was the other thing, and I think the military just really has a problem with the stigma still. Um, and I don't know how many times, if I had a dollar for her, how many times I heard a military medical provider say this. You know, oh, well, they they, you know, they don't they didn't have some kind of trauma. They weren't, you know, they didn't they didn't lose somebody or see anybody die. So they don't have PTSD, you know, but, you know, so why are they so messed up? You know, and there there was such an intolerance for anybody who had mental health issues after deployment 
who didn't actually, you know, get shot at or, or had some sort of traumatic event happen. Right. So, you know, it was like, well, they should be fine, you know, and, and there's just absolutely no consideration of how complex these issues really are. No, you bring up a good point. And, and this is what when you and I were even talking just before we met and obviously or before we started recording. And obviously, as we've been talking um, over this past week coming up, um, I've talked about comprehensive mental health. I have the, the series on comprehensive mental health, the things that go beyond just PTSD and TBI, um, things like and you mentioned it before, the substance use and abuse. Right. And and or just addiction in general and not just substances, but the, uh, you know, video games. Pornography is a uh, pornography addiction is huge in the military population. Um, emotional stuff, depression and, and anxiety and anger, purpose and meaning, moral injury, all of these different things go beyond just PTSD and TBI. And when I, when I put that concept forward and as I was developing that, I very deliberately knew that I'm not talking about anything physical other than traumatic brain injury, which is a physical injury to the brain. Um, everything, all of this is just psychological stuff. Um, and, and it's not that I ignored, obviously, the physical aspect of it, but the physical aspect of things t- cause even more complication on top of the psychological impact of things. Yeah, it's the perfect storm. And it is it is a cycle that we enter into and, and you know, and talk about a feeling of helplessness. Right. Um, you know, which makes you m- most in danger for, you know, a- attempting suicide at, at some point. Um, you know, if you, you come back and the people that you're supposed to talk to and tell things don't, don't understand. And well, you weren't shot at. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, but you feel like there's something wrong with you. And then you have this isolation and then transition time. And, um, you know, you've been eating like shit and then you get back and, and you're like, Ooh, real food again. And then you just start kind of going crazy with that kind of making up for lost time. Right. And then you start putting on weight and then you're feeling like crappy and then you just start drinking more because you feel crappy and then your, your relationships start falling apart and, and we're going into this, this slow and steady spiral. And then when you're at the bottom of that, I mean, how far away does that light seem when you just keep digging and digging every single day and when nobody is giving you any information other than the fact of, well, go get on some medication um, and then you'll be fine or get on some medication. It's probably not going to work anyway and just continue the spiral. Um, you know, so we, we, I know the VA is starting to add some, um, you know, some alternative kind of treatments to their, their repertoire and they have endorsed a couple of them. Um, but the problem is again, access, you know, we're talking about, we have military members scattered over every area of this nation and just saying, well, go to the VA is not the answer because what if the VA is three hours away? All right. So, so this person's supposed to drive to, um, an appointment every week, um, to, to get what they're supposed to be getting, um, but also live their life and pay their bills and, and be responsible for that. So, um, that's, That's not the right answer either. Um, And then, you know, maybe that what the VA offers isn't isn't what that that specific military member needs. You know, maybe this other kind of therapy over here is what that that service member needs, you know, acupuncture or hypnosis or, you know, seeing a dietitian, having a fitness trainer, all of these things that that encompass 
health that affect our mental health and have been shown by research to, to greatly reduce um, symptoms of uh, mental health disorder um, are not being considered and referred to um, enough. You know, you're exactly right. There are, there are always these barriers. There's, there's always barriers to, to anything perhaps, but any, but psychological health and wellness, as well as physical health and wellness, um, it takes effort, right? I mean, it takes effort to get up in the morning and go to the gym or go for a run or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but the more barriers that exist, the less likely that someone is actually going to engage in that, uh, uh, in that behavior. Um, and one of the things that I remember from our conversation in Orlando that really struck me was, um, you had mentioned Fireteam Whiskey before, which is a, a fitness, um, organization, but it's also a total wellness organization, um, that you also include psychological health as well as physical health. And, and one of the critical things that I'm always trying to get people to understand is we have to begin and end with the wellness, the psychological wellness of the service member veteran or their family, begin and end with that in mind, right? So if they come in and they say, um, I need to lose a few pounds, well, well, what's going on psychologically that got you to the place where, you know, where that became an issue or, you know, I can't make my car note or all of these other things, whatever I'm trying to get help with, I need to begin and end with the psychological wellness in mind, not to say that we're going to sit down and, and again, you know, like your, like your battalion commander, you know, come in and, and have some hippie talk to us about, you know, flowers, but we're actually going to consider, meet the need of the veteran, what they're seeking, but also understand that there's psychological things that we need to address as well. And that's something that you've put into Fire Team Whiskey. Yes, that was really, really, really important to me when, when we set Fire Team Whiskey up was we call it Warrior Wellness. And um, all of our participants have access to, I, I mean, we probably have 50 videos now um, where I I myself do education on, or, um, we bring in experts in the field of everything that you can think of that touches mental health, health, physical health, everything from, um, I brought in a TBI specialist from the VA. Um, I brought in chiropractors, um, even financial, um, uh, managers who talk about, you know, getting your financial health in order. Um, meditation experts, motivational speakers, basic nutrition, how to read a nutritional label, which almost nobody has any kind of background and training in, um, you know, to, to stretching and yoga and, um, you know, just, uh, self care kind of things. Um, we do have, you know, talks about PTSD, um, mental health, depression, nutritional deficiencies and common mental health disorders and how you can supplement and find those in, in whole foods. Um, so we, we continue to add, um, to our, our video repertoire to try and cover every single topic that we possibly can to again, educate the service member, give them the tools and the resources and, you know, really kind of work with them one-on-one to inspire them to use them. I mean, obviously, you and I are mental health professionals. And even in the fitness world, you know, I can't physically force you to do anything, right? You have to be in a place of change in order to change, right? But I would be failing you if it, if I did not provide you, if you're in a place of change and you're ready to change, but I did not provide you every tool that I possibly could and let you choose the ones and test the ones that will work for you. So when we're only giving two resources, like, all right, you're going to go talk to this person and you're going to be on some medication. 
what if those two don't, things don't work? Then you're like, well, good luck. You know, so I want to provide every kind of information, every kind of tool and get them to kind of try them out and go, well, you know what? Actually, I do want to, I, I do feel better after seeing a chiropractor and this makes sense, you know, and this works for me. So, you know, just, just that, that I, I'm all about the toolbox. Like I, I, I use that analogy over and over and over again. When you have a, when you're carrying around a toolbox and that toolbox box helps you get through stressful situations in your life and you have two things in there and both of those don't work, then what? You know, that's when you reach the point of helplessness. I'd rather you carry around a, a toolbox with 30 tools in it and then be able to kind of go through each one. And geez, I mean, one of those is going to work, right? You may have to go through a few, but one of them is going to work for you in that instance. So just having just more barriers in place to to keep you from getting to that, you know, getting to a period of, of hopelessness because you ran out of tools is my goal. You know, and, and even hearing you talk about that, I think about um, veterans and service members we're used to doing the job with the tools we're given, right? That's it. It's like, you know, you want me to rebuild an engine, you give me a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. Well, that's all I've got. Well, I'm going to make that, yeah, I'm going to make it happen. It's not going to be fun. It's going to take me a long time. I'm going to be complaining because that's what soldiers do. Um, but ultimately I'm going to make it happen because I, I don't have the awareness that there's these other things. And this is where you said this education piece, somebody coming along and saying, Hey, you know, Joe, Josephine, no, that's not, here's a better way to do this. And this idea of work smarter, not harder. Exactly. And, and it also, and, and here's what happens when you also only have a couple tools. I mean, you reach hopelessness very quickly, but also you feel like there's something wrong with you, that you, you are the reason why those tools don't work, that there is something innately wrong with you and your situation that that is that makes your future hopeless, right? So, okay, well, I started taking this medication and they said it was supposed to work. Well, there must be something wrong with me. Apparently, medications don't work for me. So I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life. And then you get into that spiral. I can't live like this for the rest of my life. Might as well kill myself. So, you know, we want to we want to avoid that as well because when these tools don't work, a lot of times they're self-blame and that your situation is specifically different enough from everybody else's why this medication didn't work for you. But nobody's telling them up front when they, when they prescribe the antidepressant that 50% of the time it's not going to work. That's in research. So the, the, there's only 50% efficacy for antidepressants. But nobody told you that when they wrote you the script. They're just like, okay, you're going to here, here's you're diagnosed with this. Go get your script and have a nice day. So I wonder why that is. And I'd, I'd like to hear your, and, and definitely not, we're not going to be talking about the, uh, why the, the pill pushers are trying not to be negative there, but, but, but why we blame ourselves. And, and is it something innately in the military that that is because, well, if I can't get over that wall, there's something wrong with me. Is that something that we're trained to do, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, it, we're, we're taught from, you know, day one when you get to boot camp, right? <laughs> I mean, or whatever, whatever your basic entry training is that you're not good enough the way you came in. We've got to make you the, the tool that we need, you know, to serve the military, right? So you're taught from day one that, you know, here's the way you need to be. Here's how you need to function. 
and we're going to make you this and you're going to you're going to be the tool that the military needs you to be. But when we fail at that and then we start failing at the standards and we're getting put on, um, you know, uh, flagged, you know, for uh, profile for your mental health condition, you're flagged and put on profile for your medical conditions, you're flagged and put on profile because you can't pass your PT test, you're flagged and put on profile because you don't make weight standards. You've got all these red flags and we're being told you don't meet the standard. You don't meet the standard. There's something wrong with you. There's no kind of going in and saying, Mm, you know, we take responsibility that maybe w- the condition you're in right now is our fault, right? And some of, you know, we did this to you. It's more meet the standard or get the hell out. You're going to be processed out. And it was, you know, and spending probably, I can't, more hours than I can I can recall at medical events, that was always the approach. Meet the standard or get out. You have this many days to, to cure yourself of this condition or you're going to be processed out of the military. And then once you're out of the military, there there obviously isn't, you know, those standards or things. And maybe some people, you know, require um, uh, the external motivation versus the internal motivation. Um, but, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this meme before, right? You know, the, the picture of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, this is you when you're in the military and the picture of Nacho Libre, this is you after the military, right? You know, this idea mm-hmm. of, 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 you know, service members let themselves go. Not, not intentionally. It's just you wake up 10 years later and you look in the mirror and you're not the, you know, young stud or studette that you were. Number one, none of us are 20 or 25 anymore. Um, but, but there is this, this concept of without this structure and without this, uh, this support, without the education, that things can really go off the rails, um, after you leave the military. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's just an innate failing of, of, you know, being in the military is you, you are conditioned, right? You are conditioned to do things a certain way to, you know, to look a certain way, to walk a certain way, to be where you need to be when you're told to be there. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of that brain power taken out, right? That self accountability taken out of your day to day life that I think civilians, um, you know, get a little bit more experience in, right? So, Yes. It's, and it's a shock when you get out and, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're supposed to self-regulate and, um, you hadn't done that in a very long time, no matter what rank you are, really. I mean, even if you're, you're, you know, a a field grade officer, you still have somebody above you telling you what to do and what the agenda is. It's all planned out like seven years in advance. So, you know, you kind of still have this, this mode of, of functioning, where there's always been a roadmap put put in place and you rarely are given situations where um, that's challenged. So when you're, you get out, um, it's the complete opposite. There is no roadmap. There's no direction. There's, there's just maybe what society is telling you to do with your life, which is, you know, get a job and, and pay your bills and be a, be a good citizen. Right. But nobody's actually given you the roadmap on how to operate that way. And, you know, and that's why we see military members kind of flounder um, because there's not really any kind of guidance or, or mentorship of how I'm going to transition into, you know, self-regulation. See, and that's what I get the sense of a lot of what Fireteam Whiskey is, what you and the team have built is this idea of 
coaching and mentoring, right? You know, we, you know, somebody says, oh, I need to, you know, get fit. I need to go to the gym. I need to get a fitness coach. Um, you know, maybe this is somebody who just finished, um, you know, a, a five month program of personal training and then they got, you know, they're hired by 24 hour fitness. Um, I'd like to hear about what you're doing with Fireteam Whiskey, sort of what the structure is um, and, and that unique mentorship and coaching aspect that you and your team bring to it. Yeah, this is a this is also a huge part that I needed to include in our program was our trainers um, are all either military veterans, corrections officers, um, first responders, you know, police, firefighters or even um, military spouses. So every single one, you know, have have that experience and been there, done that kind of thing. And, you know, that is super important, I think. I mean, I know I personally, and I'm sure, Dwayne, you feel that way, too, is that, you know, when you kind of there's no other there's nothing to compare to that kind of connection. Right. When you meet somebody and, you know, you learn that they're, a, you know, they're an army veteran, too. There's there's just a leg up there, right, with with that kind of connection. And you instantly kind of have that immediate respect for that person. Um, so, you know, you you have that relationship immediately instead of just meeting, a, a you know, just a random trainer somewhere and going, OK, I'm going to work with you now. And I guess you're an authority because you have a license and um, to do these things. And, and I'm just kind of putting my faith in you that you're going to help me here. So um, that was very important to us. And, um, you know, that that's why I called it fire team. Um, that's why we came up with a name that we came up with was I was looking for that concept. Like I want people who join our program to feel like they're in the military again, that they have that fire team again, that they have those close relationships again. Right. And they have those experts, you know, within your fire team, you have your experts, right? This guy's really good at this. And this guy's really good at this. And maybe I'm not so good at this, but I know there's a guy in my fire team who can do this too. And I'm really good at something too. So I wanted that concept of, of people who come in, they're on a fire team. I immediately get to know everybody and go, Oh, this guy's really good. Like we have a, a lady who's been in our program here for 90 days or so now. She's a Navy um, Lieutenant Colonel. And let me tell you, this woman can cook like the recipe she comes up with. So I'm like, okay, you're our fire team whiskey cook. You know, so you come in and you, you start kind of going through our program and, and filling it out and you become an expert, right? It's just like a fire time team. It's not just us telling you what to do. Here's what you eat. Here's do your workouts. I'm going to tell you to do this. Here's some information. It's you become a, a contributor to our program. You give other members advice. You're kind of the resident expert on, you know, how to make a, a, a sugar-free cake because this woman can do it. And God forbid I try attempt something like that. So she's my my um, expert within the fire team. So that's that's what we kind of built in was that sense of community. And, and we're in this together. Like we may be very different, just like, you know, when you're in the military, you had different kinds of personalities and different kinds of people in your unit. But everybody kind of had their niche. Right. And that's how you felt like you belonged and that everybody's kind of in this together. And we need your expertise in order to help me go a little further on my path. And we can all accomplish this mission together. 
And, and see, and, and that's very important, right? You know, nobody wants a drill sergeant barking at him. I'm 45 years old, right? I don't necessarily need, you know, somebody, you know, yelling at me like I'm, you know, just getting into basic training. Um, but then that, that mutual support and that encouragement and even that accountability. And this is a way to sort of, um, establish some of that structure. Um, you know, but if somebody's listening to this says, oh, this sounds great for me, or maybe I know a veteran or, or my, my family member. Um, uh, but this isn't just, like we have to be in Florida or wherever you're located to do this. Um, you're establishing this through, through digital media and, and online, right? Yes. And that, that was a really important part of this program for me was that anybody could do this anywhere. So I have had soldiers out in the middle of nowhere in Iraq doing our program. I've had um, two sailors now so far um, do our program while they were deployed out on their, their, you know, aircraft carriers or whatever they were on. I don't know Navy speak, so I'll just make something up. Um, so yes, that it's all digital. You live stream um, the, the fitness videos online. Um, we actually are launching an app on hopefully March 1st. I'll keep my fingers crossed on that. Um, so we'll actually have an app as well that, that you will be able to access all of your fire team member site um, information and videos uh, all the nutrition plans are online, so we can you can download PDFs, you can download the videos. We also issue you um, when you uh, join Fireteam Whiskey a USB dog tag with some of the fitness videos already preloaded on them, along with the nutrition plans and a, a fitness manual with instructions. So you get your FM-22 in digital form. On, on your USB drive, so you can, even if you don't have access to internet at that time, you still can do your program. You see, that's great. And I mean, and I think this is, uh, again, uh, very important to understand that as, as our physical health goes, um, so goes our mental and our psychological health. And, and being able to, you know, we need balance in everything, uh, spiritual, not necessarily religiosity, but just connection to a higher power, um, the psychological, the emotional, and of course, the physical. And if any one of those things aren't at at least on a balance level, if not in an optimum level, um, then, then the other ones suffer and they're all tied together. Yes. And uh, actually, as a part of our warrior wellness program, I interviewed my favorite chaplain. He was so sweet to, to do an interview with me. And um, he said it best. I mean, he really just said, you know, when you're at when you're at disease, you know, disease, if your body is diseased, then you're at dis-ease in your spirit. And you need to be taking care of both. So taking care of your spiritual health is helping you with that dis-ease and taking your care of your physical health is your, your burden as, as a person who was given a body, you know, by whatever spiritual being you believe in that you need to be free of disease as well. And, you know, not point the finger and looking for and being angry at the world for, you know, the circumstance that you're in, but actively see it as your your spiritual, um, you know, mission to take care of both of those things because they were a gift that was given to you, um, by, you know, whatever you believe in. So, um, he said it the best. And I said, I'll, I'll never forget the way you just said that about the spiritual health and how important that is. No. And, and I, I really appreciate, um, the, 
And we talk a lot about holistic and holistic has its own sort of, you know, herbs and berries kind of uh, stigma to it. Um, but, but the way that you've put Fireteam Whiskey together to address all of this, you know, the, the whole person, you know, the idea of being holistic, um, that, that, that seems like, um, something that's, uh, that's really great and it works well for a lot of people. So if somebody's interested, um, and they want to learn more about Fireteam Whiskey, um, I, I, this is a, um, are there some, uh, paid versions? Is there a subscription? What's the, what does it look like with that? Yes, we have, um, a couple of different packages that you can, you can purchase. You can always try it for two weeks free. So we have a two week try it for free trial for anybody who just wants to kind of come in and see what it's about and not making a, a commitment. And that's perfectly fine. Um, and we also have a hundred percent money back guarantee that if you do our program for 30 days and you see absolutely no results, then we will give you your money back. So, you know, we're not in this to, I mean, obviously I want to make money, but I'm not interested in just taking your money and who cares if you show up, you know, which is what most gyms on every corner of every road in this nation does, right? You never hear from your gym unless you stop paying them, right? They never, they never call you and, and say, Hey, how's it going? How's your program going? Are you seeing any results? You know, is there something additional you need? Is there some some sort of information we can provide to you or kind of reset and see if we can kind of optimize this program better for you? Right. You never hear that from a gym. As long as you, you know, pay that that monthly bill, that's all they care. And, and, and they won't you won't ever hear from them until you stop paying. So our programs are you can make a um, commitment to uh, 90 days, six months or an entire year. And then we have our training programs, which are monthly. So it's 30 day programs where you get your own personal virtual trainer assigned to you and you get to pick your trainer so you can see who you, who you want to work with the best. Um, and they will work with you every single day of that program um, via you know text or phone calls or however you want to work it out and make sure that you stay on track. Because, you know, as we all know, this is a journey and everybody's bio-individual, right? Everybody's journeys are going to be different. So, you know, where I'm starting today is not where you're starting today and, and you know, everybody else in between. So that's why our programs are so personalized. You know, we, we speak with you. We find out where you're at right now. We make recommendations for which fitness programs would be best for you, which of our nutrition plans would be best for you, and then we constantly check in with you to see how is go how it's going. And if it's not working, then we're going to try some other tools, right? Again, we're going back to the tools. And then also make suggestions about, you know, maybe what you're personally struggling with. And we have some warrior wellness vi videos to kind of give you those resources and education in those areas. And you can kind of look at maybe getting some more resources where you live to further enhance your, your wellness journey. So that's uh, that sounds great. So if somebody wanted to hear more or find out more about Fireteam Whiskey, how can they find you online, maybe social media and things like that? Um, Fireteamwhiskey.com is the best place to look for us. Uh, on Facebook, we are at Fireteam Whiskey. Instagram, we are Fireteam Whiskey Military Fitness. Uh, Twitter, we're at Fireteam Whiskey. And YouTube, Fireteam Whiskey. That's, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been connecting with you obviously, uh, through all of those, but I'm definitely going to make sure that all of those are in the show notes, uh, whenever the show comes out. 
I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today to, to talk about the, the critical importance, the link between physical health and psychological health. Thanks so much for letting me share my story and about, um, you know, how we're doing something different for our veterans and our warfighters and our community responders. Absolutely. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. When Stephanie and I met last year, it was obvious that her passion is to help service members and veterans with their fitness. Like me, she became a mental health professional after leaving the service, but for her, it didn't stop there. We know it. It gets hard. I have a job where I sit and talk to people all day. I'm not as active as I used to be, and I'm not as young as I used to be. Once you get to the north side of 40, lots of stuff changes. Metabolism, motivation, hormones, all kind of stuff. Add on top of that, the physical and psychological impacts of our military service and physical health kind of goes out the window. It's easy to grab and go, pick up fast food on the way home, and don't hit the gym. Nutritional fitness, which many of us don't necessarily have, is as important as physical fitness and mental fitness. It all ties together. Take a look at what Stephanie and her team are doing and engage in some healthy living. Thanks for taking the time to check us out. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash HST098. While you're there, share the link to the show with someone that you think may enjoy it. While you're checking it out, consider dropping a rating or review on the show. It helps for the show to rank higher in searches. You can also find out how to share feedback on the podcast player you use by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash platforms. We have another way for you to give feedback to. You can drop me a line at info at veteranmentalhealth.com to recommend guests, make suggestions, or just send a quick note of appreciation. And speaking of appreciation, you can now spot a cup of coffee. As you may or may not know, this is a totally independent project that makes very little money and takes a whole lot of time. It's a passion of mine, of course, but there are costs to doing web and audio hosting, social media promotion, and things like that. If you feel like you can spare a bit for a cup of coffee, then head over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash coffee to put some paper in the tip jar. Just a reminder that the guests and information on this show are for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be considered professional advice. Well, I'm a practicing therapist, and so with Stephanie, we're not your therapist. If something you've heard on this show makes you think that you could talk to somebody, then reach out to do so. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his album Combat Medicine. Doc's trying to bring the discussion about veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can see all of his work at therealdoctod.com. Make sure to join us next week for another great episode, and until then, remember veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability
you guys. Take those bottles out, dog, and pour them in the sink. Take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead. It's time, man. You've been through enough pain. Stand up. It's time to stand back up. All my veterans, man. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. Get up. You know. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.